Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello there, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. Brought to you by Bymart. I am Aaron Finches with the Oregonian. I cover the Portland Trailblazers. And what a day it was on Thursday. NBA trade deadline. The Blazers were active. They traded for Norman Powell, a guard from Toronto. They moved Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. I know Blazer fans will be sad to see Trent go. He's become a fan favorite. But Powell is an upgrade. A six foot three guard. Averaging 19 points while shooting 43.9% on threes. Nice addition for the Blazers, but he's a bit redundant because he's a 6 foot 3 guard, but we'll get more into that later. Also, Yusuf Nurkic, center for the Blazers, who's been out since January 14th, announced via Twitter that he is going to return to action Friday night against the Magic. That is an even bigger addition than Powell. He'll bring some rim protection. He'll hopefully bring some tenacity to the Blazers in the middle. That will move Cantor to the backup role. Those two, as a one-two punch at center, are going to be huge down the stretch. We will get into that. And we're going to get into all this, plus all the other moves in the NBA. There are a lot of trades today. We're going to talk about it with my fellow Oregonian colleague, Adaron Johannes. He's going to join me. He used to cover the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he helps follow and track the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to talk about the Blazers moves. Nurkic coming back, and every major move around the NBA. The Bulls are active. Miami got better. Woo, Denver, man. Denver made some moves. Aaron Gordon, JaVale McGee. That's got to be daunting for the Blazers. A lot of great things to talk about right here on the Blazer Focus Podcast. And let's get to my discussion with Johannes right now. All right, I'm here with Aaron Johannes, who is a trending reporter for The Oregonian, who's joining me on the Blazer Focus podcast, brought to you by Bymart, as we are going to tackle trade deadline madness. Woo! A lot of activity, starting with the Portland Trailblazers, who traded for Toronto guard Norman Powell. We're going to talk about that first. And then, of course, we have to get to really quickly the fact that Yusuf Nurkic broke his own news. It was a Nurkic bomb. He broke the news that he is coming back. Friday night at Orlando, he was out since January 14th with first a broken wrist, and then his calf got jacked up a couple weeks ago. That delayed his return, but he is back tomorrow. So if Powell can make it to Orlando, the Blazers could trot out Powell and a healthy and maybe rested Yusuf Nurkic for the Magic game. And there's a plethora of other NBA news to report. How are you today, Mr. Johannes? I am doing well, enjoying NBA 
uh, deadline day. It's been good. It's been entertaining. It's picked up a lot further than I expected, especially today. I did not expect the amount of trades that kind of went through at the last second and are still kind of going on as we were recording this. But overall, it's been a good day. I've been enjoying it. I was surprised to see the Blazers make a move and, um, and, and to see how some of these moves shake out for the rest of the season. Exactly. All right. Just real, real quick. Some of the bigger moves today. Denver acquired Aaron Gordon and JaVel McGee. Huge gets for them, I believe. Miami got Oladipo from Houston. Rondo went to the Clippers for Lou Williams. So that's going to be interesting because Rondo is going to play for the Clippers this year after helping the Lakers win the title last season. And then my Chicago Bulls traded Wendell Carter Jr. and two first round picks to Orlando for Nikola Vucevic. And it looks like Lonzo Ball is going to stay put in New Orleans and uh, Lowry is going to stay put in Toronto. But let's first get to this pal trade. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you my quick take on this. I was hoping that they would land some type of forward of some kind, right? Some kind of bigger guy, someone like Aaron Gordon, who they were linked to for a while because he would give you some size, athleticism. He obviously is a great finisher. A, a could have been dunk contest had Zach Levine not beat him. Who else? Did he lose to Levine twice? I can't remember. I uh yeah, I believe he lost twice to Levine. I can't remember exactly. And a lot of people thought he should have won one. Well, he should have anyway. won one year. Right. And, and, you know, he, and he's a developing shooter. He's been getting better as a shooter, but they ended up getting Powell, who was a six, three guard. And it's like one of those things where it's like the last thing you think they would need would be a six, three guard. And I do think that's the last thing they needed, but maybe that's all that was available. And at the end of the day, no matter what, he is an upgrade over what they gave up. They gave up Gary Trent Jr., who I know Blazer fans like Gary Trent Jr. He, he was a second round pick by Portland. You watched him sort of grow up, blow up at the bubble last summer. He got off to a good start this year, played really well while CJ McCollum was out with his broken foot. But Powell is just flat out better. And then Rodney Hood, you know, Rodney Hood was doing really well with the Blazers two seasons ago before he blew out his Achilles, missed the rest of the year. And now this season, he has not gotten back to form. He's been struggling shooting the ball. He's been struggling playing defense. It's just obviously taking him time to get back from the Achilles. You move him because of his contract. He has uh, one year remaining next year, but it's not guaranteed. So Toronto can get some cap relief there. And you move Trent because, one, he's still a young guy. Powell's a veteran guy, six years in the league, and he's a better player all around. And Trent turned down his $53 million extension with the Blazers because he wants bigger money. I don't know if Portland wants to give out that kind of cash that he wants when you already have so much money invested in Dame and CJ. So you go get Powell. You, you will probably only have him for this season. He has one year remaining on his deal, but it's a player option worth $11 million. Reports are that he wants to get a bigger contract, so he'll probably opt out of that in hopes of giving a larger deal, or getting a larger deal, which may come from Portland, who knows. But the numbers on Powell, check this out, 19.6 points per game, shooting 49.8 from the field, 43.9 on threes. His effective shooting is 60.2, <laughs> and he's 86.5% from the free throw line. What do you think, Aaron? I think for the Blazers, I didn't expect them to really make a move, but I think this is a pretty good trade for them. And it's a trade that I like, I think, because Gary Trent Jr. played a really good role for them this year with CJ being out. And I think he had a really good season. And I, we talked about it, I think, the last time I was on on the podcast, but we were thinking about like his role for the second half of this year. And now it's kind of like, obviously, he's not here. But 
I thought he had a really good season so far. And I think for what they're getting back and getting Powell, who will be a third scorer on this team, that is a really good role for him. For somebody that is averaging, what, 19 points a game right now already with Toronto, for him to be in kind of that, that, that third scorer um, role, um, I think that's a really good role for him to have. And I think Portland, what they gave up, I mean, you gave up a good, a, a pretty good piece in Gary Trent Jr. But Rodney Hood certainly took a step back this year. And I think there is the downside of the fact that, you know, Powell is about to be an expiring contract or he has the option, I should say. Um, but I think what they gave up to be able to add somebody like that who is a really good scorer, I think this is a pretty good, valuable trade for them. And I don't think this is necessarily something where they gave up too much or um, this is something that is really going to hurt them necessarily. They really dropped them off. And I think this is more certainly a addition to them than a negative in what they were getting back. Absolutely agree with you on that. And here's some other numbers on Powell that are interesting. Uh, I gave you his season numbers, but in the month of March, he has been just on fire, averaging 25.8 points per game, shooting 53.8% from the field and 45% on threes. Uh, he had a 43-point game on March 17th against Detroit when he shot 8 of 10 on threes. Uh, also in March, he had a 33-point game against Atlanta, 36 against the Pistons in a different game, and 32 against the Bulls. So this is a guy who, at any moment, can put in 30 points. The problem is, like I said, he plays the same position as Damon CJ. He's basically a two-guard in, in a point guard's body. He's not a point guard at all, though. He is a true two-guard, just a smallish one. Um, so, you know, you, you're only going to be able to play those three together for short, some short amount of time. And that's what they did with Trent. Trent sometimes would play with those two, but usually he was the backup guard off the bench. Now, if Dame and CJ each get, say, 35 minutes a game, that's 70. That leaves you 26 remaining backcourt minutes. If Powell got all 26, I think in those 26 minutes, he's going to average, you know, 17 points a game off the bench at a higher efficiency than what Trent was giving you. As for Hood, you lose some depth there at the small forward. But I think the play of Nasir Little, who is really kind of starting to emerge a little bit, I think the Blazers are probably thinking if we need to get some minutes from someone at forward, because they can, you know, obviously you can play uh, Covington at the back, at backup small four behind Jones while sliding Carmelo into the four. Um, Nurk is coming back. You can play Cantor at the four. Like, so there's options that you can have at forward with all the other pieces they have. But Nasir Little's emergence as someone who at least is viable, I think made Hood more expendable. So my question for you though is how, how does, even though Powell is better than Trent, does this make him better overall as a team when you just added a guy who does the same stuff that Lillard and CJ do? Yeah, because I, I thought about this a little bit too, but it's more, I thought about, you know, they're adding to something that they kind of already had, right? They're not necessarily filling a gap necessarily to help them improve. And I mean, at the same time, it's, it is kind of a positive, right? If you have a strength, right? You want to add to that strength. You want to keep uh, nailing into that strength, you know? But at the same time, is that really going to make a huge difference for them to jump from six in the West to, you know, three or the number two seed? I don't know. We'll see if that's the case. But like to your point, they're adding something that they are already pretty good at in terms of having that scoring ability with CJ and Dame already. It's not necessarily helping them, helping them um, with the need that they may have or with the gap on their roster right now. 
So uh, that's that's the thing that I'm really interested in, interested in is if it's going to really make a difference. I mean, who knows, man? Maybe scoring 140 points a game, if that's what if that's what they want to just keep jumping up to and scoring more, and that's the way they want to go about it. I mean, maybe that will help them, you know. But at the same time, it is like, well, they're just adding to something that they're already really good at, and that could make them that could help them go from a, a pretty good team at scoring to really elite to the point where that's something that they're able to really thrive in a lot more than other teams that could give them an advantage in. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I, 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 I'll say that I won't be shocked if it makes a huge difference, but at the same time, if there is not nothing notice, noticeably different with this, I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that because they're just adding to something that they're already kind of good at right now. Right. I sort of feel like he is going to be more consistent than Trent because Trent had kind of fallen off. Um, he, and, yeah. and it's unfair to say, oh, you know, someone had an off month, therefore let's trade him because everyone has off months. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. But Trent in March in 11 games was shooting 38% from the field and 33.3% on threes. But he had a two game stretch where he was 0 for a, the one for 11 on threes. But again, to pick on him for that is unfair because Dame just had a game where he was 0 for 7, right? These things happen. So I don't think that's indicative of who he is or what he can become. So my thing is there were going to be nights with Trent. There have been nights with Trent when he was instrumental in the victory in terms of just providing that outside shooting. So Powell is going to give you, I think, more nights like that and fewer nights where he's off because I think he's just you know a grown man, 27-year-old professional score who's been doing it longer than Trent. But in the in the long in the long haul of in the big picture, how much more is that going to mean in terms of victories? Is that going to help them win a series? I just don't buy it. Like I still think I don't think getting smaller because Trent's six five makes you necessarily better in a seven game series against anybody. Like I just don't think. I don't think that if they play a seven game series against Denver or Phoenix or the Clippers, having Powell over Trent is going to make that big a difference. No team they're going to face is going to be like, oh my God, they got Norman Powell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. if this was the best deal available, it was the best deal available. But I really would, would have liked to seen them get someone bigger, more athletic, who can do more things with length in the game of basketball like an Aaron Gordon. I, I think the one thing that I at least take from this trade is that Gary Trent's value this season was still much better than a lot of people expected. And I think it was one of those situations for them where they saw his value rising. They had an ability to get somebody better than him in and to dump Rodney Hood. And if that trade was out there, I think a lot of people probably just would have taken that trade considering that, you know, Gary Trent's value just really um, just improved this year. And they just had the ability to improve that position. I think that's more so probably, probably why they just went ahead and did it just because his value, his value rocketed more than before. And, they just had an option just to make somebody else put somebody else in there that's just better than than what Trent was giving them. Exactly. So yeah, so you know, it is what it is. I, I think it's a nice little addition. I think it'll make them a little bit better. I don't think it makes them a contender by any stretch of the imagination. Now let's move on to probably the bigger addition. And that's the fact that Nurkic is going to be back on Friday. Now, my thing with Nurkic this year has been. If he returns and is the Nurkic from the bubble or the Nurkic from 2018-19 before he broke his leg, then that's going to be huge. If he's the same Nurkic we saw in the first 13 games, then it's like, meh, you know, he's a better defender than, than Cantor, but Cantor has been way better in terms of rebounding, offensive rebounding especially, and offensively. So they need Nurkic to return 
to his former self. Now let's assume that he does. I see no reason why he shouldn't. Hopefully, you know, he got himself in the shape while he was out because he broke his wrist. That means you can still run and do the bike. Unlike CJ who couldn't do anything like that with a, a broken foot. But if he returns back to form and you're adding the outside shooting, and even though you're giving up something defensively when he, when Powell plays, cause he's not, he's a minus defender as well. You're getting your rim protector back. So that kind of offsets having another smallest guard to a certain extent. How do you, let me ask you this. What type of Nurkic do you think we're going to see the rest of the way? The one we saw two years ago and in the bubble or the one we saw earlier this season? I think, I think they will probably see the Nurk from the bubble. And, but I will say that I think that, and this is a question I was going to post for you as well, is that I think that they won't necessarily like rush him back. I think it's going to be a really slow, work back for him. I don't I don't see him coming back. If he does I mean he's coming back Friday, but I don't see them really putting coming out getting thirty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't I really don't see them taking that approach. Um pretty similar to almost I mean I don't want to compare the two at all. But like how Philly would do something with Joel and B. Like they're not going to put him right back out right away. I think they'll probably ease him in as the remain as the remaining games of the seasons come along. And then when the playoff comes is when they'll really ramp that up. So I think for the rest of the season, we probably won't see him at that form again until maybe, you know, closer to the, those last final games where they have that really tough stretch before the playoffs. Um, but I think that they'll probably just ease him back in. And then once the playoff comes, kind of unleash him and take the training wheels off a little bit. There you go. Yeah, he, he was averaging 23 minutes per game. In the first uh, part of the season, even at the bubble, he was only around 29, 30, I think, maybe 31. And prior to that, he was more like a 28, 29-minute guy. So he's never really been a 35-minute guy. So, yeah, there's no way they're going to throw him in there like that. I, so I agree with you. I see them, you know, playing him 20 to 25 minutes until they know he's fully, you know, back in physical shape and able to handle the pounding. And they also know that, I mean, you, you have Cantor, who's been playing really well. So if Nurkis gave you you know, 24 minutes at center and Cantor gave you 24 minutes at center, you're pretty golden right? Yeah. <laughs> between the, I mean, between the two of them, they're going to give you probably a 20, 20 every night. Uh, so I agree with you there a hundred percent, but this is huge. Like, cause now they're finally going to be whole again because CJ's already back. Although he's been struggling, which is to be expected, but they're finally going to be whole and you've added Powell. So now I, I sort of feel like finally after, you know, 30 games, of either Dame, excuse me, either CJ or Nurkic or both being out, we finally get to see what this team is truly about moving forward as those two continue to progress in their comeback. So it's going to be fascinating because as I segue into this next section here, I think they're in big trouble. And what I mean by big trouble is you want to be in the top six in the playoff hunt because if you're in seven, eight position or nine, 10, you're playing in the play in round. And no one wants to do that if you can avoid it, right? So they're sixth right now behind Denver by half game. And Denver just went out and added the guy I wanted to see the Blazers get, Aaron Gordon, and then gave themselves some more big man depth with JaVale McGee. So here you have a team that already had Michael Porter Jr., who's a really good uh, forward at 6'10", who already has a 6'11", Jokic, who's the MVP front runner out net right now. And they went out and got a 6'8", Gordon, and a, a 6'11", 7-foot JaVale McGee, while the Blazers, who are strong at guard and maybe need some big man help, they did get Nurkic back, but they went out and added a guard. I think Denver's going to pull away from Portland, and I also believe that Dallas, which has a far easier schedule in the second half, is going to reel in the Blazers as well. I'm going to ask you, first off, what do you make of what Denver did today? 
I think that's a really good addition for them. And I think having Aaron Gordon kind of is what your third your third option behind uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. That's a really good fit for him. That's a really good opportunity uh, for him to come in to help them out too. And I think that him adding that to Denver not only helps Denver in the seeding in the Western Conference because they have the same – I believe they still have the same record as the Blazers right now. Um, I think they're half – Denver won last night, so they moved the half game oh, yeah. ahead, I think. Yep. But close uh, enough, yeah. But I, I think he certainly I, – I don't know if I want to make this prediction or if I want to make this declaration of him helping Denver more in the standings than Powell will help the the Blazers in the standings. Really? You don't think the combination of Gordon and JaVale – is it better? Is it going to help Denver more than adding oh, no, to just, the Blazers? Oh no, just the just the Gordon aspect. Oh, Gordon aspect. Between uh, Aaron Gordon being added to Denver and Powell being added to the Blazers, I think Gordon will probably impact them more. To be honest, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that that will impact them a lot more and will help them the rest of the way of the season more than Powell will add um, for the Blazers right now. But I think it's a good trend. I like that. I like that move for them. I like it for Gordon's career because he's been in Orlando for so long where he was kind of just the main guy, um, the one in the, or one of the two some nights, but now he's kind of just that third guy in Denver. And some guys need that where, you know, they're the number one option in the city, but then they're able to go to somewhere else and be that third guy and be really good at that position um, and in that role for that team. So I think for Denver, if he's able to add that for them, that that can help them a lot. I agree. I, I, I can go along with you on Powell. It sounds like you, to me you're saying that you're not super convinced that Gordon for Denver is going to make them any better than Powell is for Portland. No, I think that he'll help them more than Powell. More will than help Powell. Oh, you did. Okay, okay sorry. For the rest I, of the year. Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I tend to agree. I, I think it's it's I think it's close because Powell is such a an amazing scorer. What yeah. I think is that I just think that that. Gordon would have been much better for the Blazers than Powell. I feel like Gordon yeah. just bolsters what Denver already has a strength at, but that's, hey, there's nothing wrong with being good, big, and athletic <laughs> come playoff time, right? <laughs> right. So you add more of that if you're, if you're them, but the addition of McGee on top of Gordon, it's just like, man, cause McGee, dude, that guy, he's only averaging, you know, he's only averaging what, like eight points and five rebounds per game, but that's yeah. in 15 minutes per game. <laughs> right. So he, you know, granted it was Cleveland, but still, if he plays behind Jokic or sometimes with Jokic, if he only plays 15 minutes off the bench and he's giving you eight points and five rebounds and 15 yeah. minutes, I mean, that's a huge impact. That you're making impact on the game. And for them to add that when they already look like a potential contender who's going to probably make a move here anyway. It's just scary. If I'm Portland, I'm scared. And another thing I'm going to add to this too is I, I believe Dallas is coming. Like I think I told you, I think, I think by the end of the season, Doncic is going to be in the top three in MVP uh, consideration. They have a soft schedule the second half of the season, way softer than Portland's. I think Dallas might reel in Portland and pass them up. And if Denver pulls away and Dallas passes them up, that means Portland is going to be no better than seventh, which means they're going to have to play in the play in round. Uh, and I don't know if Powell saves them from that. We shall see. Uh, anything else you want to add on that? We're we moving on. No, I um, I agree. I think that Gordon probably would have been a better fit for the Blazers than Powell. Um, but one thing I, I I wanted to also just kind of throw in too for fun was man, Javale McGee's career has just been so interesting to me because he started oh, off he he started off really just I mean being 
unfairly like a, a joke of the league, right? Like, I mean, Shaq was always clowning him and things like that in, his, in the early stages of his career. And then he goes on to be an NBA champion. And, and now he's, you know, he's evolved his game. Um, and he's talked and he's talked about it um, a few times, I believe, like in his YouTube channel. I remember I watch a lot of like NBA players in the YouTube channels and mm-hmm. he talked about, you know, a lot of people always are asking him, why did he kind of change things up with his game? Why did he kind of improve? And he's like, well, if you're not good at something that you want to be better at it, like, you know, that's, <laughs> it's pretty logical to, to think that, right? But a lot of people don't see a, a, of somebody like his caliber to just improve or change something in his game that might not be there before. Um, so now, right. like you say, like being able to have somebody like him, like a limited amount of minutes, even if, even if it was 15 minutes, be so productive. Um, I think that is really helpful for him. And it's been interesting to see his career the way that it has gone. And I think in Denver, like that is a good opportunity for him as well to help them out. Agreed. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Okay, let's stay in the West and just look at the main move in the West other than the Denver move is that the Clippers got Rondo for Lou Williams, which is fascinating to me because Lou Williams has been such a huge part of everything they've done for the past several years. But Rondo is such a good distributor, floor general. He plays good defense. Uh, he can probably help raise their overall efficiency on offense and make them better. What do you think of that move? I think that's I think that's a good move too. Um, I think the the amazing thing about like Rondo is that you know you look at his IQ as a point guard, and I I thought about this too with like Chris Paul, where like now he's in Phoenix. You could put Chris Paul in Phoenix. You put him on any bad team, and he'll make that team good, right? And it's part part of that is because of like his IQ and his um, knowledge as a basketball player. And Rondo is so good in terms of his IQ as a basketball player, right? And now that is so valuable, right? But think about like the early days of his career when he was with the Celtics and he was having that IQ, and people just people did not like Rondo from the early stages of his career because they just saw it as like arrogance, right? But now he's a veteran; he has that knowledge and that experience. And the Clippers have been trying to find Kawhi Leonard a point guard uh, for a while. They've tried Patrick Beverly. They have tried. Um, so many other different options, but I think Rondo, somebody that is obviously familiar with being in LA and uh, working around like stars like that, um, I think this is one of the better options for him. And you know, given that he just signed with Atlanta to be able to be moved that quick, says so much about how like today's NBA really works, where guys are just signing a free agency and they're getting moved by midseason. But I think that that is a good fit for him, and I think for the Clippers, they. You know, Kawhi Paul George, they've needed help at that point guard position. And it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, they got to kind of got to take what was available to them. And Rondo was one of the options out there. So hopefully this helps them in the playoffs. Hopefully this helps them achieve and, and get better than they were last year um, as well. So we'll see how it plays out. But overall, I think it's a solid move and I think it's a good, a good option for them that they had it available and something that they had to just probably just shoot for. Right. On the season for Atlanta, Rondo is averaging four points, 3.5 assists, all in the matter of just 14.9 minutes per game. Clearly, they have their point guard in Atlanta in uh, Trey Young. And Chris Dunn, I met, is he back yet? Is Chris Dunn back yet? I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember. He was hurt all season long. He's been hurt a lot. And, yeah. And if he's, if he's on his way back, wait, let's see his injury report right here. 
Uh, ankle, he returned to practice soon, and he'll be back at some point. So he's going to come back. He'll be their backup point guard. Therefore, they don't need uh, Rondo. So that's one of the reasons why they were able to make that deal. Plus, you know, the Clippers don't necessarily need a 34-year-old backup point guard necessarily. So. Right. And it's, uh, okay. and, and it's also yeah, nice, nice to see, I think, the other side of this trade that I'm really excited about is I'm very excited to see Lemon Pepper Lou back in Atlanta and being in a market where uh, right. if it's if it's a lot for him. I'm very excited for Lou Williams to be back in Atlanta. Okay. All right, moving on to we'll – we'll go to the East now. Uh, real quick, my Bulls made a big move, getting Vucevic for Wendell Carter Jr. and two first-round picks. As a Bulls fan, I'm cool with that because they need a grown adult in the middle there. Carter's a kid. <laughs> but no one listening to this podcast cares about me and my love for my Bulls who have not won a title since Jordan retired. So moving on to Miami, this doesn't impact the Blazers that much other than the fact that Victor Oladipo was linked to the Blazers at one point. He goes to Miami. Miami's been bizarre, man. Like at one at one point they were seven and fourteen. Then they won a ton of games. They just lost four in a row. They're right at five hundred and twenty two and twenty two. They still have a pretty darn good team, you know, with uh right. Drogic, uh Bam, Butler, Tyler Hero, and now you add Oladipo, who was not playing particularly well in Houston, but no one really was. But adding him to play along with Butler and everyone else, I think that's a huge move for Miami. What do you think? Yeah, and they really didn't give up much in the trade, at least as what we've been able to see. Um, this is according to Shams from The Athletic. It's Oladipo for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a draft swap. And I think for Houston, they just really wanted to just move on from Oladipo. And they had, obviously, Miami is one of the teams. I think the Knicks were also another team that were that was mentioned as a possibility. So I think Houston just needed to get rid of them. And Miami, for what they were able to give up, like that is a pretty that's a pretty good good deal if you're in Miami to be able to help and add a guy like Oladipo to go along with Butler and Bam and um, and those guys in Miami too. So I think for what they gave up, that's a pretty it's a pretty good it's a pretty good deal. And Houston just needed to do it. Um, Houston is just I don't know what's going on there. Um, a lot of Houston teams right now in that market are just really confused right now from the Rockets to the Texans to what was going on with the Astros. I don't know, but I, I like the deal for Oladipo to go back to go to Miami. I think he's talked about, or it's been rumored in the past to maybe go to Miami as well. So we'll see how it plays out in the second half and their playoff run in the East. And um, we'll, we'll see, but I, I like the move so far for them for that. Also, Boston, just like Miami, has been scuffling a little bit this season. They were actually lost to Miami in the East Finals last year, and Miami lost to the Lakers in the NBA Finals. I had big hopes for Miami this year. I thought they were going to go to the Finals last year with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, one of the best young combos in the league, if not the best young combos. Um, but they needed some wing help. They needed some shooting. And they got Evan Fournier from Orlando for next to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing. so, so you add a six foot seven guy who can flat out shoot it. Let's see. They're, they're reportedly sending, well, Teague, Teague's not nothing, but Teague was a backup point guard and, and they sent a second round pick as well. Uh, what do you think about that, that gift for Miami and what he can do, or excuse me, for Boston and what he can do for them? I think to your point, you know, Jalen um, Brown and Jason Tatum, two young guys that have, are really good and one of the better young combos in the league. And Boston has been disappointing this year. They needed to, I think they just needed to add a veteran. They needed to add somebody else that can help score, can help them out. And I mean, I, for what they gave up, it was pretty solid for them to just be able to add someone like him. Um, the only downside is I believe Fournier is, this is an expired, I believe he's 
deals af- up after this season too. Um, I think this is the final year of like his six year deal he signed in like 2016. So uh, long term, I don't know how to play out. Maybe this is to help them in the short term, but um, I mean he's in the final year of his of a five year deal. But we'll see how it helps them. I think I think he'll help them. I don't know if he really elevates them to get back to what they were last season, but I think he he's kind of like a temporary band-aid in a sense. Like I think he'll be able to maybe help them win a few more games, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy that really helps them elevate back in that Eastern conference like they were before. Right. Yeah. He's, he's always been very intriguing to me. Six, seven uh, this year, he's shooting 46% from the field, 38.8 on threes, like uh, career numbers, 37.6 on threes. He was 39.9 last year. Averaging 19.7 points, 3.7 assists. I think, you know, a situation where Tatum and, and, uh, Brown, you know, are going to be your lead scorers. If you have someone like that standing around the perimeter, <laughs> that's, right. that's definitely going to help them. But yeah, I, I agree with you that he doesn't necessarily, you know, put them past, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the, the 76ers definitely doesn't put them past the Nets. Like those still remain the cream of the crop in the East, but a nice addition for Boston. Right. Uh, two other names. That were out there and didn't get moved were Kyle Lowry from Toronto and then Lonzo Ball. I was hoping that the Blazers, excuse me, that the, um, my Bulls, sorry, would get Ball because I think they need a point guard who actually likes to pass the ball. Kobe White is not a true point. <laughs> uh, but here, here's my question for you. It's more along the lines of the Pelicans than, than Ball not being traded, but. Do you think the Pelicans are underachieving because they're just simply too young or because the mix there isn't right with Ball, Ingram, and Zion? That's a good question. And I think for a while, like we've just heard them being young, right? We've heard that for, you know, this year, we've heard from last year. But man, honestly, I think if guys are just talented and we've seen teams with less talent, put it together and to be able to sustain and, and to win games. And I think, I think for me, I'm starting to rule out um, them in terms of, I'm starting to really just think it's really just the fit because they have too much young talent to not be able to figure things out, to not be better than what they 500. are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can, they, I, can they get the 500? <laughs> yeah. Cause like, look at how there are a lot of other teams that just don't have a Zion Williamson or a Brandon Ingram or even, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it's because he's you know, a former buck, but like you like Eric Bledsoe, like they're they they have more than enough guys to be so much better than what they are, and it's like if you can't put it together now, that's that to me speaks more to them as a fit and their talent versus like coaching or whatever the case may be. Um, because I I think we've seen coaches, and I think Stan Van Gundy is a great coach, and I think we've seen coaches get the most out of teams even when they don't have as much talent and as much firepower as the pelicans have right now so i th- i at first i had thought about that too where i was like maybe they're just young but man i'm sorry we're getting it's 2021 we're at the point where <laughs> excuse me where teams you man you got all this talent there's no excuses man you need to be a lot better than what you are and if you're not then i think that just speaks more to the fit versus the coaching yeah, I kind of, I'm on the fence with this because, especially because Zion is the centerpiece and he's in his second year, really his first year. He barely played last year. And he's been so good uh, this year. I know he has been good this year, but he's still young. Like if you look at his defensive ratings, they're not very good. So offensively, he's fine. 
Um, but he's not dominant fine. Like he's good fine. He's not take over the game fine very often. And I think that until he becomes a take over the game kind of guy, they're going to be sort of middle of the road. But I, I kind of agree that it's partially fit, but I do want to give them some time. And then even like ball, dude, ball's 23. He, he's only yeah. been there a couple of years, right? So yeah. it is still pretty new. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm disappointed that, you know, they're at 19 and, and 24 right now. Right. You know, they're five games under. It's one thing if you're, you know, not necessarily in the playoff hunt. So, well, I should say the top six playoff hunt, but they're five games under. Like to me, that's just insane. You should at least be 500 with that talent, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because essentially this is Zion's rookie season. I will say that maybe I shouldn't be as harsh on the Pelicans. New Orleans Quit being a, so mean to the poor Pelicans. New Orleans okay. is a, is a beautiful city. I love New Orleans. I go down there, you know, pre-COVID. I enjoy New Orleans, so I don't want to get, I don't want to be negative to Pelicans fans. But you know, it's just I, I think the better way to kind of look at it from the way that you framed it is I'm not necessarily frustrated by them. It's just disappointing because they do have really good talent there. I I like I like I love Brandon Ingram um, in his game. I love Zion. I love being able to watch even Lonzo. We want to see more from them, and I am disappointed. Disappointed is a nice, safe word to say until they continue, unless they continue to lose, and this all just goes, um, it all just goes bad, and then that, that's when you know I think people will start to call them out. Gotcha. All right, a few quick notes here. So we we talked about the Magic getting Gordon. They traded Gary Harris, which is actually you know a, a solid player for them, um, and the. Wizards traded former Oregon Duck Troy Brown along with Wagner to the Bulls for Gafford and Hutchinson. That's an interesting deal. So we'll see if the former Duck Troy Brown can get more run in Chicago than he was getting with the Wizards. And I think that's, man, there's there's a bunch of little trades. Like the Sixers got George Hill. That's actually not, that's, that's a solid get for them because he's a veteran guy who can shoot it. Anytime you can get a veteran guy who knows how to play the game and is smart and will give max effort and can drain the three, right. that's a good addition for a contending team like them. So that was a good get. Um, he's almost a little bit of a carbon copy of Seth Curry. So now you pretty much have two small guards who are pros who can shoot it. Yep. And I think that's it for there, there's the also big, the names from, of, There's yeah. also from that trade, um, the Thunder acquiring uh, Austin Rivers, who's probably going to be bought out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to I – don't, I don't blame him for not wanting to play for the Knicks, but – there's a chance that he's probably going to be uh, bought out and he's going to be an option out there. I think I saw Milwaukee as an option, um, a couple of different teams, but now he's one of those guys. Um, and also just during this podcast, LaMarcus Aldridge has been uh, bought out by the Spurs. Um, mm, okay. According to Woj, uh, Miami is the leading front runner to, um, to get him. But there's also still other teams that he's going to be looking at too. So now there's the, now that there kind of like, is that little flush of the buyout guys that are going to be available too. Um, as the next few days go on. There's been some speculation about Aldridge to Portland. I know that according to people I know who covered Aldridge when he was here, they say that he would, you know, one of the reasons he left is because he was sour on the fact that Lillard was kind of replacing him as a face of the franchise, but maybe he's over that nonsense now since he's older and more mature. Uh, But I just don't see, I I just don't, I I don't see a point in adding Aldridge. Like you, you got Nurkic, Cantor, Carmelo, and Covington can all play the four and the five. Um, I mean, you don't want Carmelo at the five very often, obviously, but he has played some of it. And then you got Harry Giles. You throw 
are Aldridge in there? Where where is he where is he playing? Like is he starting at the four? You move Covington to the, to the three. Fine. Someone's going to be unhappy. And plus he's he's thirty five, dude. He's not the same dude. So if if they got him, fine. But I don't think they should necessarily move mountains to bring in Aldridge. Now if Miami gets him, that's a great fit. I think for Miami because they could definitely use that punch on offense. Their off their defense is good, but their offense is pretty weak. Right. I think for Portland, it's one of those things where like they'll leave the door open, and if he wants to come in, he can come in. But at the same time, they shouldn't like go outside and try to get him. Like leave like you know listen to him and and hear him out. But at the same time, I don't think it's something where they have to pursue to bring him back. Yeah, I agree. I don't see it happening, which means it'll happen. <laughs> uh, oh, D- Dallas got JJ Redick. Uh, you know, a small move, but he's getting up there. His shooting percentages have gone down this season, but he still gives Dallas another shooter that Luka Doncic Don- 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 yeah. can throw a no look pass to for a three. <laughs> <laughs> can never have too many shooters, I guess. Never. So, all right. Anything else you want to touch on? No, it's, uh, I'm glad this day is finally here. It, uh, we've had some, Think about like trade deadlines. There's so many rumors and days leading up to it and, and weeks. And then, you know, you see situations like Toronto throwing a huge pump fake with Kyle Lowry. And I'm glad it's just finally over. And now these moves are done. Buyouts are happening. And now we can finally get to the second half of the season where the playoffs come and things will finally start to turn up. I agree. Trade deadline has come and gone. There's a lot of major moves. The Blazers got at least a little bit better with the addition of Norman Powell, but they definitely got a lot better with the return of Yusuf Nurkic, who announced his return on Twitter. Says he will play a Friday night at Orlando. That is it for this episode of the Blazer Focus Podcast, a trade deadline edition. Thanks for listening, and we will be back early next week to give a rundown of what Yusuf Nurkic looked like in his first couple of games back. Thanks for listening.